hold it there. That's enough. Cut that team. Cut it down. Don't have any time here tonight anyway. Might as well do the best we can with what we... Uh, listen, uh, it's another uh, one of our uh, continual running uh, Gallimaufries. I enjoy these elections. I'll tell you there. There's nothing uh, more totally involving in America than a gigantic election. And somehow uh, the sight of, uh, of Walter Cronkite looking worried and uh, Lester Smith talking fast, uh, somehow it assures me that democracy continues and goes on and on. Uh, I had a friend, uh, in fact, I, I think I still do have a friend. I, I uh, called him this afternoon and I said, um, hey, listen, I, I got this thing I want to talk about. And uh, he came back to me on the phone. He says, uh, well, well uh, what, what is it? That, uh, uh, what, uh, what are we doing? I, I don't have no time today. I said, what's the matter? He said, well, I got a primary tonight. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm running again. And uh, I said, oh, I forgot. That's right. Your whole life, your reputation, all the skullduggery you've been doing for the last couple of years is now being paraded before the voters again, right? He said, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. I can't, I can't talk. And there was a click and a gasp, and he was gone off the phone. So I have a friend who is now tonight being judged by the voters of New York. And uh, I noticed in the news machine there, I wonder whether it's a, whether it's an omen. The list of uh, various candidates and all that was typed on the machine, came through. His name wasn't even on the list. So I don't know whether the machine is editorializing or whether it's a Freudian slip at UP. I don't know. But uh, nevertheless... Uh, how many of you have ever known a friend who really was up there? I mean, and uh, being... Voted. You know, most people think these guys are very official. They're holding news conferences. They have their room in the hotel where they issue statements from, and they talk to Roger Skibbenus and Gabe Pressman, and uh, they have aides and so on. Well, I'll tell you who this guy's aide is. It's his kid brother. And uh, the two of them work together as a team. See, they one of them goes out and hands out the handbills, and the other prints them in the basement. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm serious. Uh, you know, I'm actually telling you the truth. And, and uh, so his name, I'm not going to tell you what his name is, so don't worry. I'm not going to get into the, uh, the political arena here at this point, the gallimaufry that is going on, the bear baiting that is, that is underway at this point. Uh, I would just say that I have a friend now who is on, if I may coin a very creative expression, he is now on tenterhooks. Now, I don't know, frankly, what the heck a tenter hook is, but he's on him. And uh, tonight, we hope that he is not hoist on his own petard. I'm quoting uh, one of the better commentators who uses phrases like that constantly. However, uh, I, uh, the other night, I had a, a letter from a woman. She, she uh, commented on a show that I did recently about elections and voting, and she maintained I was out of my depth. I, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe, if anything, the water's too shallow. Uh, that conceivably could be it. But uh, <laughs> I don't see how anyone can be out of his depth talking about elections. In fact, uh, I'm in a cab here about 3 o'clock this afternoon, and I said to the cab driver, he's one of these guys with the red neck, and, and uh, you could see, I could see his picture scowling out of his uh, hack license. And boy, he had a picture, I'll tell you, it made King Kong really uh, look a little like Debbie Reynolds, you know. And uh, you see that old gnarled face looking out. This guy's driven a cab since the days when they had Model T's running around the streets of New York. And I said to him, I said, uh, I like to take the cab driver's name off the hack licensing. 
and they they say, hey, Sal. And he says, yeah. I said, hey, Sal, how about the election tonight? And there's a pregnant pause, and he says, who is running? I said, well, I don't know. It's an election. You know, they're all talking about it. Everybody's excited about it on television. There's another pause. He says, ah, it's a bunch of bunk. I said, so, now that is not exactly the attitude of a citizen in a democratic society. He must be involved. Bunch of crooks. So we went a couple of blocks. I said, well, that's, you know, after all, there's a little crook in all of us, Saul. I saw you, you know, palming $5 bills up there in the front seat, you know. He's got a meter. I'll tell you, that meter, we went three blocks, and that thing was ticking up to 20 bucks already, you know. He's a bunch of crooks. Well, we... We're moving against the stream of mankind's traffic at that point, so I got out of the corner and I said, "Well, good luck on the election, Sal." And he said, ah, "No matter who gets in, he's a crook." I said, "Well, that's true, Sal. You know, you're taking a theological view, Sal. There at that point, that all man, every man, uh, has uh, this uh, modicum of evil, and every man has his price, Sal." He said, "What are you talking about, Mac?" I said, well, I read that in Earl Wilson's column. He said, ah, oh, a good writer. And he drove off. So, you know, I, you know, life comes, life goes. You hang in there as best you can. And I remember this one friend, though, that I had. I'll tell you a little story. Maybe would not go too far amiss on, uh, on an election night. I had this friend who was sitting around a newsroom. And uh, I was in school at the time. I was working summers in this uh, television radio station. They called it a complex. It's just a mess. That's all I... A lot of you know, a lot of chicanery going on there, and uh, I'm I'm sitting there one night in the newsroom with this guy, and I'm uh, drinking some uh, diet Pepsi or something and eating a salami sandwich, and we're talking about the election, which was forthcoming, and I said, "What do you think of it, Fred?" Ah, yeah. What's to think? And I said, "Well, what do you what do you think, really?" He said, "You know what I ought to do? I, I think I, I got an idea. I think I'm going to run." I said, you're going to run? I never knew a guy that ran for anything. He said, yeah, I think I'm going to run. He says that, uh, that uh, they were looking for guys to run on the Democratic ticket. All you have to do is go down to the Democratic club and put your name down, you're running. And I said, well, are you a Democrat? He said, I don't know. So I said, you know, might as well go down there. He said, yeah, just for kicks. And so uh, a couple days later, I, I meet Fred in the hall. I said, uh, how'd you do with your campaign, Fred? You're running? He said, yeah, what's that? We'll put my name down there. I said, well, what'd they say? He said, nothing. They said, okay. I said, well, that's fine, Fred. What do you expect? He said, oh, it's just for kicks, you know, just for kicks. I said, going to campaign? He said, nah. I just put my name down. Well, would you believe it? The night of the election, we are sitting in the newsroom, and the election returns start coming in. Who do you think won by a landslide in his district? And he was scared to death. He's in the newsroom, and he's as white as a sheep. I said, Fred, you won. He said, yeah. I said, I don't know. What, what do you do? I'm supposed to be an assemblyman now. What do I do? What do, I, what do you do? give you a card or something? You get a free ticket to the ball game? Or what do you do? I said, I don't know. You ran. I mean, you ran. This is the democratic process. Any man can rise, you know, pull him up himself by his bootstraps. He can rise from the muck of ordinary life, and he can become a man who walks the high road. I said, you're walking the high road, Fred. He said, I'm scared. I hate to tell you, friends, that man today is in Washington. Just thought you ought to know. And he did not get his job through the New York Times. He got it through the Cincinnati Inquirer. <laughs> A little note the papers. And I remember that night. Oh, now now I keep seeing him on, on uh, 
you know, the, the serious programs they've got on Sunday, where all these serious people sit around, like Spotlight on Washington, the public affairs service of this, the United Network, bring you Spotlight on Washington. Important Washington commentators discuss important issues with important people. And these are all things for all of you out there, the little people. And maybe we'll arrive at important decisions. And now, I on Washington. And the camera picks up these four slobs sitting there with double chins. And uh, over in the end is the, is the guy who's on the hot seat. Well, I've seen my friend on this a half dozen times. And now he has evolved a political philosophy. He is a man who was drawn into this because he had a deep calling and a sense of duty. I heard that one. That was a nice one. Well, uh, yes, I believe that every man today owes it to the democratic process to stand up and be counted. And uh, once a man has been counted and has made his contribution to society, he can only march forward. And marching forward, thereby arrive at the good that he sees that must be done in the various minority groups and the various downtrodden nations of the world in hot. I thought, you know, six of one. Speaking of the downtrodden friends, this is WOR New York. And thank you, thank you. That was very exciting. I, uh, there's a lull with the Nickerson headquarters, I understand. I hate to hear that. I like to hear action. Action. Hand out those postcards and placards. Get those buttons handed out that you. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, these, uh, have you ever, have you ever been in the headquarters and, um, when when they're going on uh, several times in the past, I've been these guys. I've been a stringer, you know. When they say, "Now here is Gene Shepherd at the Watanabe headquarters in the Hotel Elysium," and they switch it off to me. And what you do? You see, there's a lot of guys sitting around drinking beer, and a couple of guys wandering in and out, looking sad. And uh, the engineer then, before you get it, the engineer hollers over to. Usually, there's a second assistant campaign. Uh, well, kind of a campaign bearer or beater, the guy that, uh, you know, gets a little action going. And, and uh, the engineer house, hey, we're on the air in a minute and a half. And uh, instantly then, uh, the, uh, the factotum runs out in the hall and house, hey, all you guys, come on back here. We're going on the air in a minute. Let's go. Come on, let's get some noise going up here. And uh, they all crowd back in. They hand them some beer. And they wait for the cue, see? And uh, then, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you the way it really works. And then, and then uh, uh, you get the cue, and a little red light goes on, and the engineer points to you, and immediately a guy starts going, oh, oh, and they start ringing the telephones. Uh, one of the tricks is to go downstairs and to have the operator ring all the phones in the room. Then it sounds like you're in the middle of this fantastic action. And uh, there's all kinds of stuff going. You've got people all over the country, and they're out there trying to find out what's going on. And the phones ring. And uh, then uh, immediately, uh, you as the, as the uh, you never hear much about this side of the campaign coverage. You as the, as the reporter, you've already, you see, you've collared uh, one of the more glib of the clucks that are involved in this particular campaign. Of course, they all feel like uh, it's time now to route the rascals out. And it is time for a change. And uh, practically every candidate has this, uh, he has the same line. Well, uh, I believe in the, uh, the basic uh, wisdom of the American people. I believe that they're tired of what's been going on. By the way, you can fill this in for any candidate. 
I believe they're tired of what's been going on. And uh, I think that uh, the American people in their great wisdom have finally made it clear to the professional pals. By the way, the professional pals are always the other guys. You're not involved in a political campaign. What you're involved in is a crusade. And uh, it's a crusade of good guys that are going to rout the evil guys out. And so all the other bad guys, this is a... Uh, this is called uh, journalese. If you don't like a guy, he's obese. If you do like him, he's uh, pleasantly plump. And so uh, he says, this is a typical comment, well, I think that the uh, American people have uh, indicated, and uh, all the polls will bear me out on this, uh, if you care to check up on the polls, and of course uh, we have all the, uh, all the uh, data on the polls here, right here, for you to look it over. Uh, the American people have indicated their desire for a change. And uh, there is change in the wind. And uh, uh, they feel that uh, finally that uh, a man of vision should be uh, at the helm of the ship of state that will finally steer us in to placid and safe harbors. And uh, any other questions? Well, uh, yes, uh, a candidate, uh, we would like to know uh, how you feel your chances are in the uh, what will you do if you lose? Well, <laughs> we haven't considered that possibility. Of course, uh, we campaign on a forward, a forward campaign. We we uh, always campaigned on the premise that we would win. Uh, naturally, however, if the American people uh, have been so flimflammed by the political pals and by the unfavorable press, which we have from time to time received due to bias planted news reporting of various things that have happened out on the hustings and about that little incident, that purported alleged incident of the fixing situation that occurred here two weeks ago. I don't want to go into that now, but uh, believe me, if the American people have been uh, so misled by the uh, type of thing that has been said about me and my campaign during this, uh, and I've tried to keep it a clean campaign, the political polls, of course, uh, uh, when they realized that the polls were going in my direction, uh, stooped to mud slinging, uh, of course, uh, uh, I had to answer those charges, and in so doing, I dealt only in the truth. I did not at any point bring personalities into it. That's slop. I mean, that the man who was running opposite me in this campaign, I'm sure, while a very sincere individual, was misguided. And uh, if we do not win in this uh, particular election... Uh, we will begin work again. Uh, my uh, organization will not be disbanded, and all the wonderful and loyal party workers who have gotten behind me, I want to thank all of them. Uh, right now, I want to say it's the little people that uh, make uh, being in the political arena such a satisfying thing. And then immediately at that point, see, the engineer says, one minute, one minute, one minute. Uh, see, they're getting the word from the, from the studio. This, this windbag has gone on too long. One minute. And so uh, you, as the uh, you as the interviewer, say, "Well, uh, excuse me, I, I have to interrupt here. Uh, do you have any late returns here? Uh, uh, you have any late returns here at your headquarters? Why, uh, yes, Gabe. Uh, I think we do have uh, late scattered returns. I see that. Uh, uh, yes, we have a return here from dismal seepage. The first one has come in, and uh, uh, well, although uh, I say that this is, I did not expect to to do well in this area." Uh, this is an area where my opponent, by the way, spent a great deal of money campaigning. 
And, uh, of course, you know we had trouble all the way through our campaign with funds. Since this is a citizen's crusade for good, we did not have the professional pals behind us and that uh, we did not get that uh, large amounts of money. This man spent that uh, we, we now have the... We're going to protest this. We're, uh, we, uh, we have, the, we have uh, uh, absolute figures here that says that he spent over one and a half million dollars on dismal seepage alone. And I see that uh, the, uh, the results... Of course, these are not official. This just came in there. It says nine votes for my opponent, and I have three. Well, uh, I don't think you can... Uh, I don't think you can project a trend on the basis of dismal seepage. As you know, this is a community that uh, contains various dissident elements. A lot of soreheads live there in dismal seepage, and uh, they've been subjected to some pretty, pretty bad press there. That newspaper in that town just uh, doesn't cover the uh, news in an unbiased, unslanted way. And now you say, cut, 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 cut. The engineer's going, cut, 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 cut. They want to pick up Lester Smith. He's over there in the important guy's headquarters where who's winning, you know. Cut, cut, cut. And then <laughs> then uh, you say, oh, oh, I see now, excuse me, Kennedy, I see now uh, they're posting another uh, they're posting another set of figures there on the board. Just a moment. Then you hear, wah, 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 wah. five guys holler cheers, see, because they, he's got the cue, applaud, now it's on the air. It's, ah, yes, I see, well, we're coming up there. We've got... Uh, the returns have just come in from Rabbit Hash, and I see that we pulled up there. The trend is in our favor. I see Rabbit Hash, my opponent, has gotten 21 votes, and I have gotten 14. Uh, that is a trend. And I say that later on this evening, we'll be here to give our campaign victory acceptance speech. And uh, we look for you then at that time, Gabe. All right, thank you very much. I've got to get back. You know, I'm very busy now at this time. And I want to thank... Seven people just called in and said, who's that candidate? He sounds great. I want to vote for him. <laughs> By the way, we just received seven calls from seven different campaign headquarters ac accusing me of slander. <laughs> but I, I love, you know, I, I must tell you a little story about elections that is a personal story. And uh, I wish I had the, the uh, tape here tonight. Uh, it's, it's not so good to tell a person about a story without actually telling the story. But uh, I'm fascinated by political terminology. Uh, well, really, in the, in, in the more real sense, I'm, I'm fascinated by political cliches. Uh, a change... Uh, this is a cliche, uh, that anybody who talks about a mood for a change is always the guy who's out. Uh, he said, this is a, one of the great political cliches. He never says, I want to get in. He says, the people demand that they get out. <laughs> and it's a, you know, that, and so one night I was, I was working, uh, fascinated by these phrases, and uh, this was long before... Uh, uh, I see a couple of little pieces have appeared in the New York Times and so on on the same subject, but this was long before those days, and and uh, I was sitting in a control room one night, and uh, and uh, this was a radio station that was deeply involved in uh, a lot of political work, and uh, a lot of the candidates were coming in, doing uh, speeches on the radio, and this was the last night of the big campaign, just like tonight, the, the polls close, we'll say, at 10, 
Well, these guys were campaigning right up to that point, and they were all on the radio. And they had bought half an hour time, various candidates, and each one was opposing the other, and this little mob of candidates would come in with their... Uh, with their uh, acolytes, and then they would leave, and then the next crowd would come in. I'm sitting in the control room, and I had a notebook out, and I wrote down all these great phrases, these tremendous phrases, you know, the, the phrases that all candidates use in their in their uh, campaign work. In fact, our, our, uh, I say that uh, no matter who is running, and any time anybody says uh, fresh, uh, so-and-so is bringing a breath of fresh air to campaigning, uh, I, I always find it funny because I've never found any campaigner uh, use other than the political cliches, no matter who he is. Now, now, their style of delivery sometimes gives you to believe that it's an original thought. Uh, uh, you hear a few of them on the hustings today, but nevertheless, the same cliches pertain. I believe that the mood of the country has, has uh, definitely said that uh, we are in a time of change. I have never heard an election where that was not said. I do not recall one election where one candidate or the other, and this goes back to the time I was three, did not say, I believe, uh, Fred, that uh, if you uh, look at the polls carefully and you feel the pulse of this great nation, that uh, the people have indicated their desire for change. Uh, we are in difficult times. And I've never heard an election where that wasn't said. We are in times that could very well be, uh, in fact, probably the most crucial times of the century that we're living in. And this goes on and on. Of course, the uh, and, and I became fascinated by this. So one night I took out a, a notebook, and I listened from 6 o'clock at night until midnight, which was when the polls closed, the, the, uh, the, the actual campaigning closed at midnight, and the polls opened the next morning at 6 a.m., and so uh, I sat there in the control room, and I wrote down all these phrases, these fantastic phrases. I think that uh, uh, I, I have proven, my record has proven that I am a friend of labor. And yet at the same time, uh, I feel that private enterprise must enter into the solving of the problems that face the nation. Well, there's a guy. <laughs> and so uh, I, these are great cliches. You hear these constantly always used, and they, they all make so, such great sense. They make the same kind of sense that the stuff that is on the bottom of calendars makes it. You know, a penny saved is a penny. How can you argue with that, you know? Or look before you leap. Uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Every one of these cliches sounds like it makes sense. But if you use them as though you have come upon an original thought, large numbers of people will be always taken in by this. And you know, I've been thinking for a long time. You know, uh, Fred, you're being, here's the interview, so you're on this important TV show. I've been thinking, and you know what I feel? I feel that uh, there is nothing more important in the democratic process than the voice of the people. Now, I know a lot of people will argue with you, but I, 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 I know that the, that the, a lot of people argue with that, but the, I feel, and I, I'm going to stand behind it. I know that's going to cost me a lot of votes to say that, but I think that the voice of the people is important in the democratic process. What a cliche. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's, it brings it right out, you know, like, like, like a great, big, fantastic original thought. The next day, the New York Times thunders about this guy who just said this great thing. And uh, so I... Uh, 
I, I sat in the control room and I wrote down all these speeches. Not the speeches, just the, just the cliches. All these words. And I rushed into the next, the, the newsroom, the next room where they had a typewriter, and I sat down and I typed up a political speech, which at the time when I went on, I went on the air that night at midnight. Now, I did not announce my show. It was not on that night, see. Well, instead of, instead of coming on with the show, we came on with the sound of a, of a great crowd. And the announcer, uh, usually, you know how my show opens up, usually comes on with a theme. Well, this night, the, uh, the announcer who was on duty was given this little clue. I gave him a little thing to say. And he said, uh, and now we bring you a special program. Well, he didn't say it wasn't going to be my show. <laughs> he didn't say anything. We now bring you a special program. And so we had a tape of nothing but the sound of a great crowd in an auditorium. And it was a tremendous crowd. It sounded like it was coming from some, some enormous convention hall. You could hear these people. And I stood back about 15 feet from the microphone. I wish I could reproduce it here. It was one of the, one of, to me, one of the, uh, I always look back on the show as one of the great shows that I've ever done. And I stood back about 15 feet from the microphone, and I had this hoarse voice, and I had a gavel and a table. And the crowd is roaring, and way in the background, you could hear the sound of a band playing. No, 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 background, the background, very quiet, see. It's a tremendous crowd. And you hear this voice saying, Attention, Willie delegates! Please return to their seats! Willie delegates, return to their seats, please! Well, this, this great crowd, this enormous auditorium was filled with sound. You could hear the bands playing. And finally, this speaker, whoever he was, said, And now, I wish to recognize the honorable delegates from the great state of Utah who will deliver an address on behalf of one of the great men uh, of this party, which is now in convention. Well, this delegate got on, and he gave a speech. It was me, of course, standing back 20 feet from the microphone with my voice hoarse and the crowd roaring and the bands playing, and I read nothing but these cliches which I had written down. And I went on for 27 and a half minutes with interruptions, you know, where it says applause, like he would say, I say, Foursquare, I say to you that we in convention today have the democratic process in our very hands. And as we nominate our candidate for the forthcoming election, I want it always to be said that we nominated a man of vision, a man of foresight, and above all, a man of the people. Well, these were all taken out of this, these speeches I picked up that night. And just as he got to the point of nominating this candidate, uh, he, he, you know how, how politicians milk it. They never say, I want to nominate uh, Fred Watanabe. They get up and they say, and I stand before you, the spokesman of a man, a man who has proven through his record and his very deeds a man of such great and outstanding character. For 40 minutes, they describe this man, saying that the last minute they tell you who he is. 
Well, the crowd was so whipped up on my little speech. You see, I had the crowd going and the band playing, and I had them playing Happy Days Are Here Again, that you never could hear the name of the candidate at the end. Oh, the crowd cheered. And then we went off the air. Do you know that we received over 600 phone calls from people who wanted to vote for this guy? They were insane. They wanted to know who it was. It was the greatest candidate they ever heard. And I learned a lesson. I learned a lesson which I have never completely forgotten. And uh, I watched the candidates. I listened. And uh, they're all sensing things, reporting to the nation. And they're all observing. After all is said and done, their great sense of duty, their great sense of civic responsibility has led them to believe they're the only guys that can run it. And I say, well, <laughs> I say, well, must be exciting. I hope that lull in the, in the Nickerson headquarters is now over. And action is now about to begin. So on with the primaries. May the loudest man win.